one constant through all the years, Ray, has been Benson and those guys. Benson and those guys. Benson and those guys brought to you by Town and Country Pest Solutions. Zach and the iPad. We just lost half our listeners. We're now down to three. You want to heckle blind people? You're such a moron. Hey, I'm just here so I don't get fired. You got 20 bucks? He's got a monster hat. That is helping nothing. Let's get nuts! I'm not going to let our fans down. It's a faith-based sports radio program. I'm not certain that that format is ever going to work. Welcome to Benson and Those Guys. Show's brought to you by Town and Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com. Town and Country Pest Solutions fearing nothing but God. We're glad to have you with us on this first weekend of October. I invite you to stop by our website, btgprogram.com. There you'll find audio archives of past broadcasts and interviews. You can also purchase yourself one of those fine BTG t-shirts. And by the way, when you do that, the proceeds go to support our ministry, keep us on the air. Tweet us your thoughts, at BTG Program. You can follow us just as Major League ball players and NFL players are accustomed to doing. Now, of course, I'm not bragging or anything, but maybe I am. This week alone, we got follows, follows from both players on the San Diego Padres and the Dallas Cowboys following Benson and those guys. Don't get left behind. I guess you can say we're kind of a big deal now. I guess we did just say that, didn't we? We are. We did and we are. I'm not going to say too much about it today. You'll find out more in the weeks to come, but this is called a tease in the radio business. We have some exciting changes coming up to the program in the weeks ahead we're, that we're excited about. And As I say, I'm not going to say much about that today other than to say be on the lookout for that in the near future. We're at that stage, the final week, final weekend of Major League Baseball's regular season. The Yankees are basically limping into the wild card play-in game. It's so hard for me to call that that a playoff game. It's a one-game play-in to see which of the two undeserving teams gets to go to the playoffs. And it always seems like, or at least in last year, our, our only experience with it, it seems like both teams that make it into the wild card game, you always want to see both of them advance. You know, they're yeah. both teams that you like. You know, you bring up last year and as I'm saying that, that the wild, that this play-in game is to see which two undeserving, which of the two undeserving teams gets to go to the playoffs. Of course, last year, both World Series, if I remember right, both World Series participants were wild card game participants. Yes. Yeah. The Royals and the Giants, right? Absolutely. And by, in the National League, as again, as I say that, both wild card teams, the Pirates and the Cubs have better records than two of the division winners. Oh, yeah. One of those teams is going to get sent home after one game, and it's going to be a tragedy no matter who it is. They're both so good. Anyway, it's still. My point is that the, the AL wild card, they're just two loser teams, and the Yankees particularly. You know, this Yankees team is the team that I thought we'd be seeing all year. Um, I, I, I thought they had some positive upside. I thought they had a bright future, a number of terrific prospects, but I really never anticipated them playing as well as they did in the early part of the season. I anticipated them playing the way they're playing now, and they stink. <laughs> Boy, have, have they hit a wall. I mean, for crying out loud, they let the Boston Red Sox beat up on them. 
the last, well, up until recently, the last place Boston Red Sox. And, of course, every Red Sox fan feels compelled to text me and let me know. And you know what I do when they do that? I just wish them well in the playoffs. Time to look at the standings. Yeah, say good luck in the playoffs. What? You're not going to the playoffs? That's the point, Red Sox fan. <laughs> but you know those people are happy. They don't care if they make the playoffs. All they care about is that they beat the Yankees. They can go 19 and 143, but as long as those 19 wins are against the Yankees, they're content. That's their World Series. In their heart of hearts, I'm not sure that any Red Sox fan honestly knows if they're more excited by a Boston win or a New York loss. But you know what's really frosting my fanny about the way they're playing down the stretch here is they are ruining this first-to-last-to-first-to-last thing that the Red Sox have had going for the last few years. They're not going to finish in last place, thanks to them beating the New York Yankees. Those were the, that was one of the two things you could always count on the last few years. The Red Sox will go first-to-last, and the Giants will win on even-numbered years. But the Red Sox do have a ton of talent. Everyone, well, everyone except the Red Sox front office, apparently, Everyone knew they didn't have enough pitching, but, man, those young position players they have are tremendous. They really are. That's why, in all my wisdom, I picked them to win the division. I thought the Red Sox would win it, and I figured they'd make a move to get the pitching they needed, but apparently, who in that front office decided they were okay with the pitching they had? I don't know, but you see now that they're they're bringing in pretty much every available general manager there is to take an assistant role in that front office now. You know, the other night the Yankees gave up not one but two home runs to Mookie Betts, which he basically gives a credit to karma. Yeah, me, and, me and Blake ordered pizza last night, and uh, I had we had like almost a whole pizza left. And he said, "Mook, go give it to go give it to a guy that you see on the street, and you know you'll hit two home runs." So we ended up doing that, and I ended up hitting two home runs. So I guess uh, giving pizza to, to like, homeless people is, is good, I guess. So listen up, A-Rod, Brett Gardner, or any other Yankees who haven't been able to hit water had they fallen out of a boat. Get out there and start supplying homeless people with pizzas. It's not a bad idea whether you're hitting well or not. You humanitarian you. <laughs> I'm just looking to get a, get an edge on some, get an edge on some offense and you're going, dropping the humanitarian card. As fans of the show are aware, we are pretty certain Taylor Swift is a big fan of Benson and those guys, as we are of her. I think it's probably fair to say that she's a friend of the program. Way back at the beginning of the baseball season, we said that the Houston Astros wouldn't have to worry about the Taylor Swift concert that was scheduled at their home Minute Maid Park during a potential playoff date. We didn't figure the Astros had any real shot at making the playoffs, but they're, they're, they're in it. In fact, if anything, they, they should have just worked around the concert. That was our stance on it. But no, they went and changed the date of the concert from October 13th to September 9th. Well, who's laughing now? Don't mess with T-Swizzle. It was July 27th when the Astros changed the concert date. At that time, Houston was 55 and 45. They held the first wild card spot. In fact, the night of the rescheduled concert, September 9th, they held a two-game divisional lead in the AL West. But since then, they went out and they lost seven of the next eight games after the concert. They've lost the divisional lead and are flip-flopping with the Angels for the second final wild-card spot. And by the time this broadcast airs, they may they have as good chance of being eliminated from the postseason as they do of narrowly sneaking into it. So I know you want to ask, 
You want to ask, when was the last time the Astros missed the playoffs after being at least 10 games over 500 midway through the season? When was that? 1989. And by the way, what's the title of Taylor's latest album? Well, I believe that's also 1989. I think we're on a first-name basis, don't you? I mean, I can call her Taylor. Oh, she's T-swizzled to me. Earlier this summer, Max Scherzer of the Washington Nationals, or the Dysfunctionals, as they are affectionately referred to as, Scherzer blamed Miss Swift, Taylor to us, for a lighting malfunction at Nationals Park, which resulted in a game being suspended. Oh, foolish, foolish Mr. Scherzer. Have we not said this before? Don't mess with T-Swizzle. The blackout was just two days after a concert, and at that time the Nats were leading the NL East. But we all know what's happened since. They've played well under 500. They've been eliminated from the postseason. They've had their MVP franchise player put in a chokehold by their own closer. By the way, did you see how hard Bryce Harper hit his head against the back of the dugout wall when Papelbon shoved him? Yeah, it was kind of scary. It, that There's no place for that. It's a good thing he was wearing a helmet because, boy, it looked like his head hit pretty hard. That could that could have been that could have been ugly. Yeah, and he didn't play the next day, so who knows? But getting back to the power of Taylor Swift, obviously the Nationals were affected. The Astros have been affected. She played at Petco Park in San Diego on August 29th. The Padres, by the way, have been seven games under 500 cents. This weekend, Taylor Swift performs at the Rogers Center in Toronto. Hope you enjoyed it while it lasted, Blue Jays. Blue Jays fans can't be too thrilled because they know she's trouble right when she walks in. Hopefully the Astros can shake it off and get into the wild card game and then get a rude welcome to New York from the Yankees. You're just mean. Oh, nice. We've got a full show for you this week. Coming up, we're going to be talking about Michael Sam, an athlete we've we've given public support for, but whose blame-shifting comments recently may cause me to consider that reconsider that support. I know he's probably pretty worried about that. We'll also weigh in on Lance Berkman's political stance on girls' bathrooms being only for girls. How closed-minded and bigoted can one guy be with such mean and and antiquated? Did I say that right? No, but antiquated. Just it. <laughs> okay, antiquated views. And we'll talk with our friend Bob Seagave. He's the AD at Roberts Wesleyan College here in Rochester, New York. Plus, we have a list of a number of other things that, if time allows, as I say, we got a jam-packed show. Benson and those guys is brought to you by Town and Country Pest Solutions. Title sponsor of Benson and those guys is Town and Country Pest Solutions. The warm weather is here to stay, but so are those pesky critters. Bees are beginning to build their hives, ants are driving everyone nuts, and spiders seem to be popping up in every corner of the house. But thanks to Town and Country Pest Solutions, these nuisances can be no more. If you have a serious problem that needs to be controlled, give them a call. I'm not just advertising for them. I am a customer, and believe me, they have the solution for any pest problem. I've mentioned it before, and it's still true. They have been in business for over 25 years, and their team of knowledgeable professionals guarantee their work. Call Town & Country today at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. Or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions. They fear nothing but God. <laughs> 
The movie Captive is a powerful true story of faith over fear. Police looking for Brian Nichols. A man on the run. You scream again and I will have to kill you. A woman held captive. My name is Ashley. In your darkest hour, who will you turn to? God, please help me. What is that? The book, The Purpose Driven Life. Read it to me. I expect you to make the most of what you have been given. Could you forgive me? I don't know. Maybe God can. Captive. Rated PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13. For group sales and tickets, visit CaptiveTheMovie.com. Thanks to the Nose Guys, brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. At BTG Program, we were talking about Taylor Swift in the opening. and Just saw something here where she donated $50,000 to a backup dancer on her stage show to their online fundraiser, helping his 13-month nephew battling cancer. The note from Taylor says, Baby Aiden, I'm lucky enough to perform with your Uncle Toshi on tour. All of us are praying for you and your mama and sending so much love your way. Love, Taylor. 50 grand or backup dancer? Not bad. She's the real deal. You remember Lance Berkman, former star for the Houston Astros, St. Louis Cardinals, other teams? Had one of the greatest nicknames ever. I don't, I don't remember his nickname. Fat Elvis. Really? I never knew that. And also the Big Puma, but Fat Elvis. Yeah, I heard the Big Puma, but I don't, I didn't remember it, but Fat Elvis, huh? Love it. Yeah, it kind of fits. He had a stint with the Yankees, right? Yeah. Very brief. Yeah. He slipped. I remember him slipping in foul territory after chasing a ball and actually getting hurt. He's received a lot of backlash and social media bashing due to his support of a campaign in the Houston area to defeat a proposition that would allow men access to women's bathrooms and boys access to girls' showers, locker rooms, etc., a vote on the ordinance will be part of the city's general election on November 3rd, and it's designed to protect access to public accommodations regardless of sexual orientation, gender, race, national origin, religion, etc., for any reason, including gender identity. Berkman participated in an audio ad, which has uh, recently been released. Let's, let's go ahead and play that clip. I'm Lance Berkman. I've played professional baseball for 15 years, but my family is more important. My wife and I have four daughters. Proposition 1 would allow troubled men who claim to be women to enter women's bathrooms, showers, and locker rooms. It's better to prevent this danger by closing women's restrooms to men rather than waiting for a crime to happen. Join me to stop the violation of privacy and discrimination against women. Vote no on Proposition 1. No men in women's bathrooms, no boys in girls' showers or locker rooms. While many have shown support for Berkman, many proponents of the proposition have come out against Berkman, labeling him ignorant, homophobic, bigoted, and other less appropriate names. One of the most recognizable names is liberal bully Keith Olbermann. Olbermann, who, by the way, he's wildly entertaining, but his political views would seem to be opposite of mine. Not that that's a problem, but his delivery is done in such a it's such a smarmy, pompous way that you either end up applauding him and supporting him steadfastly with sort of a blind devotion, if indeed you agree with him, or if you disagree with him, you find yourself just clenching your teeth, as I do, in frustration and as he makes his pretentious remarks. Of some, of course, some listening may advise employing the simple tactic of 
Well, if you don't like them, don't listen to them, which, which is fine. It's accurate. I get it. Though, first off, Oberman himself takes care of that for me by eventually getting himself let go from seemingly every media outlet he's a part of. <laughs> That's true. And secondly, it's not that I was listening to show, to his show. It's not even, it, it's not even on the air as far as I know. But Oberman came out on the offense against Berkman. In defense of his stance, Berkman described to the St. Louis Post Dispatch a possible situation where one of his daughters, and we got that clip too, so let's play that. I mean, I have four daughters, and the thought of them being in a public bathroom and having a man walk in there, which, I mean, I, who knows? I mean, who knows what the intent of that person might be? I mean, they truly might think they're a woman, which uh, is a little strange to me, but uh, they could be a child predator. They could be somebody that's in there who likes to look at women and just claims to be a woman. So I, I just feel like that uh, this opens a can of worms that I'm not comfortable putting my family in the position uh, to to have this thing pass. I think Berkman has a right to be concerned. It doesn't matter if his views are right or wrong. That's not the issue. But the man has a right to his views and how he feels. Rather than attack him, mock him, call him names, maybe you ought to try speaking to his concerns and have a mature, healthy discussion and see if perhaps you can alleviate those concerns. What I have to get better at is remembering that the dozen or so people who comment or who tweet back a response, that is not a fair representation of the views of the American majority. Sometimes you get reading them, um, and you get reading 10 or 12 of these in a row, and you just sort of get built up, but that's not, that's not the views of most people. This is probably a very... Unfortunately, vocal. in the Internet age, generally the dumbest people are the loudest. Have you noticed that? Yeah, it seems to be the case. But, you know, when you read them, it just sounds it sounds like, how can everybody in the world think this way? Well, it's not everybody in the world. And I, I have to stop and remind myself. So as I'm looking at this Keith Olbermann thing, uh, all these attacks on Lance Berkman, i got to remember that's not the American majority. This, this is a very vocal minority. It's a few people who bothered to take the time to write a comment to an online article or send a tweet to people who probably aren't even reading it. The thing that you had said to me um, a week or so ago when we were first discussing it, you said, and, and you're dead on with this, Zach, many people are tripping over themselves to champion something that oftentimes they don't even understand. And when they do that, they want to champion that thing just as loudly as they can. Now, I'm not talking about whether or not you agree with Berkman which I, I happen to, or if you agree with Oberman and others. What I'm saying is that the man, just like you and I, has a right to his opinion. And if he feels threatened or feels concerned for his children, you should provide him with a reasonable answer why he needs to not feel that way. But too often in our society, if you do not support something, you're seen as hating it. Mm -hmm. Former NFL player Chris Cluey, who is outspoken in the area of gay rights, tweeted that Lance Berkman needs to take a moment and reflect on some basic human traits like empathy and critical thinking. Excuse me, but where is the empathy for those who may not want someone of the opposite sex in the bathroom with them? Frankly, I don't, I don't want a female in the bathroom while I'm in there. Heck, I'm uncomfortable when a dad, you've been probably in this situation where the dad's out with his daughter, and they're the only two. There's nobody else is around to watch her, so he brings her in the bathroom. She's got to go. She, he brings her into the men's room, and I'm, I don't like that. 
That even makes me feel uncomfortable. Yeah, absolutely. But let's talk about what's going on for just a moment. Because I think Lance Berkman is right. Not because of potential predators, but because a girl's bathroom is not a place for boys. And vice versa. It seems to me that to put into law an ordinance which protects the right of a male who identifies as a female to be able to use a lady's bathroom so that that person does not feel uncomfortable puts most other people already using that bathroom in an uncomfortable position. Mm -hmm. Isn't what the transgender person feels when having to use the bathroom they prefer not to use? The exact same thing I would feel when your law allows them to use a bathroom that I am, that is specifically for males. I mean, aren't we going to be feeling the same thing? So then why is that person's rights and feelings overvalued above mine? Or what I believe is very likely, the rights of a very few individuals overvalued above those of the vast majority. Where's the critical thinking of that, Mr. Cluey? Now listen. I would have avoided using the term troubled men in the ad. Berkman claims he did not use the term in reference to transgender, but rather to potential predators, whatever. But I would have avoided the term because what in the world did you expect? Mm -hmm. When you start throwing troubled men around, uh, you're going to get, you're going to set off an outrage. People are going to be bothered by that. I would have avoided that. Who, who's doing the copy, uh, proof copy reading of that ad. Somebody had to be looking. Oh, yeah, go ahead and say that. Yeah, that's that's a hot-button word. But as a father of a little girl, I understand 100% where he's coming from and what his intentions are, and I completely agree. Yeah, and to be perfectly honest, though, I'm not all that concerned about predators. I'm aware that child molesters target boys as often as they target girls. Mm-hmm. I, I'm aware that as social decorum has it today, as it should be, by the way, boys using boys' bathrooms while girls use girls' bathrooms. I'm aware that could leave young boys at risk to male predators. Mm-hmm. I, I'm aware of that. But as Lance Berkman alludes to, what sense does it make to expand that and just put everybody at risk when people can use any old bathroom they want? Let me just tell you right now, be aware of your surroundings, people. Watch out for your children. The safety of others around you, yourself. You got to know what of your surroundings. But predators are not my concern. I'm more concerned about the pervert just hoping for a, for a thrill. I'm concerned about the pranksters looking for a laugh. And I guarantee you that, that if, that if all bets are off and you can use any bathroom you want, you're going to have pranksters using girls bathrooms simply because they can't. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're going to have young men for a laugh, for a challenge, for a dare, for whatever reason going in there because maybe they think they're going to see something. Maybe they're going to, you're just going to have pranksters doing it. The reality is, is it's, listen, it's probably happening now, right? I mean, what you think is a female may be a male and what you think is a male may be a female. Some of these that, Cross dress are very impressive. Yeah, it's <laughs> getting mean, harder and harder to tell. They might simply go into the privacy of a bathroom stall and, and do their thing, not drawing attention to themselves, not making a fuss. Nobody notices. But why push the issue and open it 
to whatever goes. I agree with Lance Berkman, but so what? If you vote one way or another politically because of a baseball player said you should, well, then I question whether or not you should even be part of the voting process. Think for yourself, but don't deny the man's opinion just because it doesn't agree with yours. And just as I would not overvalue his opinion because he's a baseball player, a World Series hero, I wouldn't undervalue it either. I mean, a baseball player doesn't make him in the perfect position to weigh in on something like a scholar of the subject just because he played ball. But just because he played ball doesn't make him an idiot that he has no opinion. Just like you and I, he's entitled to his opinion. Fence and those guys brought to you by Town and Country Pest Solutions. The Finish Strong Road Race and Fitness Walk to benefit athletes in action is Saturday, October 17th. There's both a 5K and 15K event, which start and end at the Grace and True Sports Park in Hilton. The 15K goes off at 9 a.m. and the 5K goes at 9.30. Whether you walk or run, your registration helps support the incredible work of Athletes in Action at the College of Brockport. How important is Athletes in Action to the teams? Just listen to some of the coaches talk about Gary Sauer and the significance of AIA to their respective teams. He's done just about anything that the, the program needed. Bringing bagels, he's he's reaching out to some of the kids and trying to be a support system for them. And to him and athletes in action are, are really first class all the way. Oh, I'll tell you, Gary has been a true blessing for our program. He has provided so many things for us. I, I know a lot of our young men have formed phenomenal relationships with him and have somebody to, uh, to lean on and talk to. Athletes in Action is truly a servant ministry, and your participation on October 17th helps fund the cause. Run or walk the Finish Strong Road Race and Fitness Walk to benefit Athletes in Action. And by the way, there's a post-race party with plenty of food. Whether you walk, run, volunteer, or are looking for sponsorship opportunities, you can find more information online by visiting www.finishstrong5k.com. That's finishstrong5k.com. Tim Hiller was striving for a prized roster spot with the Indianapolis Colts when six words changed everything. We have to let you go. In his new book, Strive, former collegiate and NFL quarterback Tim Hiller leads you on a year-long journey, taking small steps each week on the path to making your life matter and to developing more and more into the person God designed you to be. Strive by Tim Hiller, now available on Amazon or at timhiller.com. The athletic director at Roberts Wesley College is Bob Seagave, and he is good enough to once again join us on the Benson and Those Guys program. So great to have you, Bob. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having us, Benson. Appreciate it. You know, some pretty cool things going on so far this fall with Roberts Athletics. The men's golf team won the NCCAA Midwest Regional event, and there's also a new career wins leader in the men's tennis. Yeah, Charlie Ferris is uh, top that, um, and he's, he's still got quite a few to go, so he may... He may set a record that's going to be uh, here for a very long time. He's an exceptional player. A lot going on, like you said, um, certainly off to a great start. And, and really all began this summer. We did some great renovations to our facility uh, here to the Valor Athletic Center. And then we went, went run, running right into the season. The men's soccer won a big game last night. So they're over 500. 
Um, our cross-country teams are ranked nationally and they're defending ECC champs and uh, both did a great job homecoming weekend at the um, Harry Anderson meet. The women came in first and the men came in second and only lost to Cornell, which is a D1 squad. Um, so again, doing well there. Men's tennis uh, was undefeated up until last night. And then women's soccer is ranked fourth in the East by the National Soccer Coaches Association of America, and they're 6-1-1. One, one, so. You know, you mentioned women's soccer, and not long ago we had Bobby McCall on the program, Bobby, of course, being the women's soccer coach there at Roberts, and I was telling him, I've always been impressed by Roberts' ability to recruit athletes both locally and from around the world. Is it difficult, Bob, to get players to commit to Roberts, and what is your main emphasis point in selling Roberts to a potential recruit? I don't think it's difficult at all. You know, I think once um, they meet our coaches, once they see our campus, and I feel that um, we really have a great opportunity to get them. In most cases, we do. God's blessed this place. I mean, as, as we focus on the transformational experience and the holistic education of student-athletes, becoming um, an extension of the classroom, if you will, uh, parents and the prospective student-athletes, you know, they really appreciate that cross-cultural, they create appreciate that holistic approach that we have. They appreciate the fact that we're going to get them ready for life, that we're going to almost parent their kids for four years. And, and I think, again, once they see and feel all that, I don't think it's difficult at all to, to get kids to decide to come here. It's just a wonderful place. We're talking with Bob Seagave, Athletic Director at Roberts Wesleyan College. You took over officially as AD in July after having been in coaching for many years at Roberts and other places. How's the transition been from coach to AD, and what's been the biggest adjustment for you that you found yourself just having to trust God on? Yeah, thanks. Um, the transition's going great. You know, as I mentioned, there's been a, a lot going on from the summer on through, so in ways it feels like a blur. We did a lot here. Um, we had to do several coaching service searches. One of them was to, to replace me, but we also did place lacrosse coach, an administrative assistant. So we've been through some transitions there. Uh, so it's been quite an undertaking, so we do lean on God every day. I mean, I wake up, and that's the first thing I'm doing. And when I go to sleep, it's, you know, praying for strength the next day and wisdom, um, going from coaching the team to coaching the coaches, if you will, kind of how I'd like to, to see it. Um, that leadership position has definitely stretched me. But, again, I coached for a long time. I had a business background, which has helped me in this position. So I can say it's gone smoothly. You know, a lot of the changes that we did here in the building, um, were great as a department. We had the vision of getting all our coaches together. So we remodeled offices. We have all our coaches in one area. And and I really wanted to build that solid base. I wanted to make sure our adjunct coaches and part-time coaches and full-time coaches were all seeing and hearing the same things and understanding as a Christian college the things that we want them to be doing and performing. And, and they've been so accepting. So it's been, uh, it's been wonderful. But again, it isn't without the the prayers of many, uh, including myself, for, for me, so I, and I appreciate all those. Of course, the basketball season creeps closer and closer, mm-hmm. and having been the women's basketball coach until taking over as AD, does it seem a little strange to you to not be preparing for the season ahead <laughs> in the same way? It absolutely does. You know, um, what a difference to see, um, because they become your kids. You know, you're the one that recruits them. You're the one the parents know. Some of them have been with me for three years. And, uh, and even when I told them I was going to be changing, you know, I remember telling them I'm going to make sure, just like if I knew I couldn't parent my kids. And, and I think we all know that if we've been parents, um, 
you know, you would want the absolute best if you couldn't raise your kids. And, and I promised them, and I think when we hired Gary Andrews, who was our new coach, um, you know, we, we got that person. He's been great, uh, which makes me feel at ease. Um, all our staff was retained, so there is some continuity there. And, and he's he invites me into practice to watch some of their workouts. Um, I appreciate that. But, you know, it's it's something that I have to let him kind of make it his team. And so I'll watch from afar. I'll peek my head in. I certainly have an open-door policy with all our coaches, and, and he'll come in and, and pick my brain and ask questions, which I love. Um, so, so it's staying a little involved, but, again, it's keeping your distance right now. And we just had a wonderful homecoming celebration, and uh, so many people – we're walking around and asking me, you know, hey, when does women's basketball open up? I'm like, November 13th, 14th, we got a tip-off tournament with the Holiday Inn, the ECC, CACC Challenge. And they said, well, we're going to be there. And I'm like, that's so great. You know, we really appreciate their support. And they said, yeah, but part of the time, we're going to be watching you. And I think that's <laughs> going to be funny. And my answer to them is, yeah, what you're going to see is me sitting on my hands, my wife with her hand over my mouth, one hand and the <laughs> other hand on my shoulder so I don't stand up and go nuts. So, um, you know, I'm sure there's still going to be some, some tests there, but, um, you know, overall it's, it's different, but it's good. And uh, I'm happy with the choice we made. Bob Seagave is with us on Benson and those guys. He AD at Roberts Wesleyan College. Bob, in a recent Sports Illustrated, there was an article on abusive coaching styles and coaches attempting to motivate their players by yelling at them. We've seen these things on TV. As coach for many years, have you ever found that militant style of coaching to be successful, and why or why not? Yeah, I guess for me, it's never worked for me. I think anybody who's an athlete maybe from from our era um, has seen it work maybe in the short term, and the article I think points to um, Coach Knight as one of those that, that had success, but you know, now you really see the fallout of some of those things. And and now with the Mike Rice and, and several since we also see the you know, the result in real time, how quickly that can change. So, you know, the era that we played again, there was a lot of that no nonsense in your face type coaching. But I always feel high expectations, lofty goals, setting accountability and building trust are really the keys to success. Players want order. Players want knowledge, and especially now, and, and players want to trust you. And so, again, building that trust factor that takes time is a real internal effort and also takes showing them a, a lot of love. And I think that's a better way to get the best out of people. You know, I think that the article notes a lot about positive approaches and studies that, that are there, and, and I've always found that. And that's one of the things I loved about coaching Roberts and still being here is that we can incorporate that nurturing, that faith base um, that becomes, again, the basis for success, not only here, but success for life. You know, you may not always see it on lit up boards on a scoreboard, but I often told my recruits' parents, so if you judge me by the numbers lit up on a scoreboard, you know, that's very fleeting. Judge by what we do with your sons or daughters. Um, you know, and, and unfortunately, I think we see the opposite. People do judge by the, the lights, especially the D1, and that pressure gets to these coaches and they, they go about it maybe the wrong way. They get too demanding. They don't nurture and build. And um, I think, the, again, the key to success is, is doing that. It's got to be a fine line between being firm and pushing an athlete as opposed to crossing the line and, and abusing that player. Do you have to have conversations with your coaches and remind them of exactly where that line is? Absolutely. You know, we, we make sure they know and um, we train them on that. You know, the NCAA and the National Christian College Athletic Association um, that we belong to uh, duly 
um, have a lot of training pieces for coaches that they, they have to go through. Um, and, and again, in the end, it can be all words. You know, I think the thing that we also push with them is how you build in trust, how you build in your team. Are you communicating clear expectations? Um, you know, sometimes in the game from the stands, you've got to communicate directly. But if you don't have the time built in building trust, um, even something that looks from the stands as difficult is also going to get the kid to cringe. But if you can build the trust to where they know, hey, I can't stop the clock right away for you, but I'm going to need to know, get back on defense, or that girl's really killing you to the left. We talked about taking that away. You have to communicate directly. But again, it, it's belittling. It tears you down unless you've taken the time to, to build that trust. And, you know, today's athlete, they want that feedback. Um, they desire it, but they want you to be truthful with them, and then they don't want to see you waver from that. So that's the hard line, I think, that we try to tell them, too, because you can lose trust, you know, in a moment, but trust is built kind of one little piece of sand on top of another. It's, you take a long time to get there, but you, you fail them in one way, and then all of a sudden everything can get to a, to a negative situation quickly. So spend a lot of time with that. Before I let you go, Bob, let me ask you one more thing. The SI article mentioned coaches who ridiculed players who weren't willing to play through injury. Then at Tosin Mm -hmm. University, there's a situation with Gavin Class, who, after suffering a near-fatal heat stroke once one day in practice, he's had 14 surgeries and a liver transplant and now is suing the school to be allowed to once again play football. Where do you think that final authority lies on whether a not a student is game ready to play. Is is that on the students, doctors, or on the schools? I think it falls um, definitely with the students, doctors, and certainly with the athletic trainers. Um, you know, we've we've taken all our coaches out of that equation. We have a team doctor. Um, certainly, the student athlete would be um, able to see their own doctor as well. And then we let our trainers make the decisions. You know, you see things like the injury issue and kids wanting to come back or coaches on the other side of it, like we're talking about trying to get kids to play through injuries when they shouldn't be out there. Um, there's too many other factors involved from a coach and even a team kind of standpoint to, to keep them in the middle of that. So we have very clear um, kind of a, a counsel of those three if they want their own physician involved, but certainly our, our team doctor and our trainers totally make that call. And you see a lot of it now with concussions. That's the thing that we see most. You know, when are they able to come back and how we have to deal with that and how more and more research is showing trouble there as well. And, again, it's just a case of, okay, coaches, that's not what you worry about. You coach who's out on the floor. These guys will make that decision apart from you with no pressure. And if everybody's in agreement, student is back. If anybody's raising a the flag, then we would hold the student out. We've been talking with Bob Seagate. He's the AD at Roberts Wesleyan College. Bob, is there anything we can pray for you about? Always. I mean, certainly the transition as it continues. Um, you know, every day I learn something new, um, but every day I learn that God's in control and at the end of the day everything works out. We also have our cross-country team traveling to a big meet, mid-season meet here in Kentucky today. Um, so or, uh, keep them in your prayers as well. And certainly as a department, you know, being excited by what we see, but also um praying for that next generation of kids that are coming through and, and for our college and its continued development. It's a great time to be at Roberts, and we really feel like God's blessing us, but we, we want to give him the glory, and we certainly want to ask for all you and your listeners to, to keep us in prayer. Amen. Bob, I want to thank you for joining us, and I wish you all well with the season ahead. 
Thank you, Benson. Hope we can uh, talk again soon. That's Bob Seagave, the well-respected athletics director at Roberts Wesleyan College, a gentleman and a stand-up guy. Our show is brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com. You're listening to Benson and those guys. McAfee's Remodeling is a full-service remodeling company, locally owned and operated for nearly two decades. McAfee's team of professionals can help remodel or replace your windows, and for exterior and interior remodels, no one beats their personal and professional service. Call McAfee's Remodeling at 585-402-1070. That's 585-402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. Hey there, it's Benson. I want to invite you to join me this November in the Dominican Republic as part of SCORE International's annual baseball outreach. Your life will be impacted as you help with the daily baseball clinics and share the love of Jesus Christ, as well as delivering humanitarian assistance to the needful people of the Dominican Republic. This five-day missions trip departs from Rochester on Sunday, November 8th, returning Thursday, November 12th. Cost is $650 plus airfare, so you can expect the total to be somewhere around $1,200. And that price includes meals, lodging, ground transportation, and airport transfers. Past trips have featured participation from such men as New York Yankees greats Mariano Rivera and Andy Pettit, former NL Rookie of the Year Chris Coglin, Lou Pinella, Ian Kennedy, Gary Carter, Brett Butler, Otis Nixon, and many others. Of course, I don't know who will be on this year's trip. We'll find out when we get there. If you've wanted to experience the impact of a short-term missions trip, this is a great opportunity. If you're a baseball fan, then it's an even better fit. By the way, dads, it's a tremendous father-son opportunity that will provide memories for a lifetime. Consider coming along. I know it'll be fun, and I know you'll be blessed as you are ministered to while you serve the Lord on a foreign field during this short-term missions opportunity. Visit SCORE International at scoreintl.org, that's scoreintl.org, or contact me, Benson, through our website, btgprogram.com, for more information. Welcome back to Benson and those guys. Zach bringing us back into Kansas. Oh, yeah. Did you know their lead singer, Kerry Livgreen, I think was his name? Um, I don't know much. I, I know he professed to become a Christian at one point, but that's back when I was a teenager because I rushed out and bought his his <laughs> Christian album. I think a lot of people did that, though. Yeah. Bob Dylan did that. Was that album any good? I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> you can go back to... When Michael Sam first started making some news, uh, Benson and those guys were still on another station here locally in Rochester, New York. The that NFL. was our first show, actually, wasn't it? Was that our very first I think show? It was our first show. Oh, that had to be awful. We this thought, is awful. Imagine how much more awful that one was. Yeah, we thought that talking about that issue might it might make it our only show. The NFL draft was coming up. There, much speculation regarding if and where Sam would be selected. But each of us on this show were supportive of Michael Sam. Perhaps not his homosexual lifestyle, but certainly of his right to have that homosexual lifestyle without risk of abuse or ridicule and not to be denied employment as a result of his sexual preferences. Yes, 
we here at uh, a faith-based radio program were supportive of Michael Sam. That being said, we also identified that any potential employer also had certain rights. They had the freedom to decide for themselves that if they wanted to pass on Michael Sam because they felt like a media frenzy would come along with it, that they had the right to make that decision. Yet we also knew that if Michael Sam had the necessary talent, a skill set which teams could not pass up, then the distractions would not matter and he'd be playing in the NFL. But quite simply, Michael Sam does not have those talents. Every NFL team passed on him six times. Maybe there's a couple of teams in there that didn't have a pick one one round or two, but you know what I'm saying. For the most part, every NFL team, every NFL team passed on him at least once. Most of them passed on him six times because he did not have the skill to play in the NFL. The St. Louis Rams finally drafted him in the seventh round. They ended up cutting him because he did not have the necessary skills to play in the NFL. The Dallas Cowboys picked him up, worked him out, gave him a shot, but it didn't work out. Why? Because he did not have the necessary skills to play in the NFL. I have nothing against Michael Sam. Nobody associated with this show has anything against Michael Sam. For crying out loud, we were rooting for him to succeed because by doing so, it allowed us an opportunity to prove that we're rooting for him without regard to his homosexual lifestyle. That's the only thing we disagreed with. We believe that to be sinful, but we love the guy. We love the athlete. That's his choice. I respect his right to make that choice and live that lifestyle. And his success in the NFL would provide us an opportunity to continue that conversation. And by the way, as much as I have fun saying that Tim Tebow plays for God's team and pointing out what a winner he is and every team should pick him up, it's clear he doesn't have the necessary skill set to play in the NFL either. I'm glad both men got the chance, but ultimately both men failed. They didn't make the cut for no other reason than they did not possess NFL caliber talents. Tim Tebow's not in the NFL not because he's a Christian, but because he's not an NFL-caliber quarterback. Michael Sam is not in the NFL, not because he's a gay man, but because he does not possess NFL-caliber talents. You can go back to the original broadcast for yourself. Every word that we've uttered on the air is archived on our website, btgprogram.com. We've supported Michael Sam. Even, I didn't say a thing when he quit the CFL and walked out on a Montreal team that gave him yet another opportunity to play football professionally, Sam saying at the time that he was suffering from mental health issues. But, but I cannot support Michael Sam, who up until now has handled the pressure and media focus that comes with being the only openly gay player drafted by an NFL team. I cannot support the man going on the Dan Patrick show and suggesting the ridiculous notion that he might still be playing professionally today if he hadn't announced his sexual orientation prior to the 2014 NFL draft. Sam said it probably, it probably would have been better for me if I didn't come out. I would be on a roster. That wouldn't make him any better at playing football. He also added, we came out a little too early for my taste. I wanted to come out right after I made an NFL roster. 
And I'm not sure what I think about that. To me, that that seems a little bit deceitful. Maybe that's a harsh word. So let's say there's there's less than full disclosure. I think, don't you think an employer should have that knowledge? If you're about to come out, as soon as you get on a roster and you're going to make an announcement of that, that's going to draw some attention. That's going to draw a, a media circus. Yeah. I think an, an employer has a right to know that. But if you want to disagree, I, I can see that side a bit as well, too. And I won't argue it. It's not really the point. My point is, had Michael Sam waited to announce to the world that he was gay, he simply would be a seventh-round draft pick who didn't make it, who's now a free agent, and that is gay. He wouldn't be on an NFL roster. Nothing would change. All that would be different is he'd be a guy that tried out, didn't make it, and came out as a gay player. Listen, here's the thing. Don't force other people to carry your baggage. You do it. And before you get all irate and offended, I'm not referring to his homosexuality as baggage. I'm referring to his inability to face the facts as baggage. Don't blame somebody else. Don't blame circumstances. Face the truth. You didn't make the team. That's it. And what bothers me the most about this is Michael Sam wanted to be known as a football player. He didn't want his sexuality to be an issue. Please stop making it an issue. Thank you. Bro, you say that you were surprised. Michael Sam says he was surprised that so many people in the media knew he was gay before his official coming out announcement in February of 2014. But he admits to Dan Patrick it really wasn't supposed to be public. It was supposed to be just the team, as I did at the University of Missouri. My man, what did you expect? How many didn't he look up Oprah to get a reality show? Like, how can you say you didn't want it to be public when you were trying to get a show about it? It just the comments that he's been making recently seem kind of counter to what we've thought all along. How how many players are on a football team? Man, I can tell you, if you tell three people a secret, you could be sure half the world will know it before long. So why are you surprised by that? Sam also told Patrick that he's currently pursuing a master's degree in studying sports broadcasting back at the University of Missouri should a future career on the gridiron not pan out. Listen, I get it. You're still fairly young. You keep working out. Maybe you keep improving. Maybe. Maybe you can still make it. But I wouldn't count on it. The reality is that the skills are not there. With each year that passes, it becomes more difficult and more unlikely that a team's going to take that chance. And when whatever happened up there in Canada, when you quit on a group of guys because of mental health issues, I wouldn't be expecting a call anytime soon, so keep studying. I'm disappointed in Michael Sam for no other reason than it's, than it's him who's now making his sexuality an issue. It's he who's blaming others and saying that because of his sexuality, he's not on an NFL roster. And I, man, you can be sure that if Michael Sam could play at an elite level that is the NFL, then Michael Sam would be on a roster. And he should know that. Come on, Michael Sam, you're better than that. And one of the things that really frosts my fanny when someone will not up to their own situations, you're responsible for yourself. Expecting someone else to carry your baggage for you is insulting. The Bible speaks to personal responsibility in Ezekiel, chapter 18, verse 20. 
The soul who sins shall die. The son shall not suffer for the iniquity of the father, nor the father suffer for the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. The point's also made in the New Testament with the law of sowing and reaping. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For what so, for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Yet people try to avoid their personal responsibility, most often by shifting blame to people or circumstances around them. You can think of Adam in the garden who tried to blame Eve. Pilate tried to wash his hands of the responsibility of the crucifixion of Christ. Matthew twenty-seven twenty-four. he says, I'm an innocent. I'm innocent of this man's blood. Basically saying, it's your responsibility is what he was telling the people. But ultimately, you are responsible for your own deal. Be sure that your sin will find you out, Numbers 32, 23. It's that phenomenon of trying to blame anyone or anything other than taking responsibility ourselves that makes salvation so difficult. Unless we come to the place where we are willing to admit our own guilt for our own sins and forgiveness, it's not possible. Each one of us has the personal responsibility to acknowledge our sinful condition and to, as Mark 1.15 says, repent and believe in the gospel. The gospel, simply enough, is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, all of which was done for you. If only you take enough responsibility to confess your sins, ask forgiveness, and place your faith and trust that Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection was for you and that it is sufficient for God's forgiveness of sins. We must all have enough personal responsibility to exercise a faith in Christ. We're glad you're with us. This is Benson and those guys. Right after this short break, we'll be back to wrap up the show. Benson and those guys brought to you by Town and Country Best Solutions. Title sponsor of Benson and those guys is Town and Country Pest Solutions. The warm weather is here to stay, but so are those pesky critters. Bees are beginning to build their hives, ants are driving everyone nuts, and spiders seem to be popping up in every corner of the house. But thanks to Town & Country Pest Solutions, these nuisances can be no more. If you have a serious problem that needs to be controlled, give them a call. I'm not just advertising for them. I am a customer, and believe me, they have the solution for any pest problem. I've mentioned it before, and it's still true. They have been in business for over 25 years, and their team of knowledgeable professionals guarantee their work. Call Town & Country today at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. Or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions. They fear nothing but God. Tim Hiller was striving for a prized roster spot with the Indianapolis Colts when six words changed everything. We have to let you go. In his new book, Strive, former collegiate and NFL quarterback Tim Hiller leads you on a year-long journey, taking small steps each week on the path to making your life matter and to developing more and more into the person God designed you to be. Strive by Tim Hiller, now available on Amazon or at timhiller.com. been a fun show 
Benson and those guys brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. We'll wrap up every show talking about our pests of the week. We're sponsored by a pest control company, townandcountrysolutions.com. Zach, who's your pest of the week? My pest of the week is NFL referee Ed Hockley, and uh, I'll let Cam Newton tell you why. The response that I got was, Cam, you're not old enough to get that call. So I'm looking at him like, what? I didn't think you had to have seniority to get a personal file or anything like that. I'm ticked off, really. You know, just the fact that it's kind of, one, did he miss the call? If he would say he missed the call, okay, that's one thing. But before his response to be what it was, I'm not old enough to get that call. Jeez. So, heaven forbid he gets any rookies. Yeah, they're going to have a long day, man. Apparently, Cam Newton told Ed Hockley he should have called a personal foul, and Ed Hockley allegedly told him he's not old enough to get that call. Whether you're joking or not, Ed Hockley, you can't say that. You know, I, I'm i not sure he did. I was watching one clip where they where they were showing it over and over and over, and they had it in, in slow motion and looking at his lips. Not, I Certainly, I'm not a lip reader. What do I know? But it didn't seem like that's what he said. It just... The time length wasn't there. And again, I, I don't know, but if he did say it, I gotta think he would have said it in, in jest. This is a well-respected referee. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of have a hard time believing that's what really happened. But when you're in, in, in competition, sometimes things that you're intended to come across funny just doesn't set well with you. Yeah, not uh, while the adrenaline's flowing. Yeah, I, I can see that. Who's your pest of the week? My pest of the week is pretty much all of the Toronto Blue Jays for that <laughs> drunk fest they were trying to put on the other night after they win, but specifically Muninori. I don't know if I've said that right, but Muninori Kawasaki. What are you feeling right now? I know you talked about a butch party, but right now we're having a champagne party. Yeah, I'm trying to... <laughs> I like, I like, uh, hey, who said that? Hey, I'm a, I'm a drunk. Yeah, you're what? You're, you're not allowed to say that. I'm a drunk, man. <laughs> oh, man, how about, have some class. He's three sheets to the wind. <laughs> He's drunk as a scum. I, I get it. You haven't been there in forever, but yeah, I'm drunk. I wish I'd counted how many times he says that in the over interview. Over and over and over. there's more. Yeah, over. I'm drunk. I'm drunk. You can't say that. I'm drunk. Uh, celebrate. That's terrific. And, and then at one point, he's demanding, we got to have more champagne. Like, you drank yeah. all the champagne? What, what's going on in What there? I want to know is, why did they think it was a good idea to keep trying to interview him? Like, once the guy's told you, I'm drunk, like, 12 times, find somebody else to go talk to. Yeah, that that's a good point. Munenori Kawasaki is certainly my pest of the week, and I just think you gotta you gotta act a little better than that. I I know you're happy, but do that behind closed doors. Maybe you go out later, act like you've been there before. As Barry Sanders used to always say, even if you haven't, even even if you haven't, you're a professional in that situation. Go ahead and celebrate with your teammates, but the glorification of drinking and drunkenness, I can't get down with that. Want to thank you for joining us. Benson and those guys is brought to you as always by Town and Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com. Visit our website, btgprogram.com. You can follow us on Twitter at btgprogram. It's been a full show, quite a bit we didn't get to. 
We'll be back next week and give it another go then. Benson and Those Guys, brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions.